Thank you for listening to Comics for Fun and Profit. This is Drew with a special episode of my other podcast that I co-host regularly. And uh, it's Weekly Comic Spotlight over at John Mayo's comic book page. And uh, for those of you who haven't heard it, I wanted to give you a chance to listen to it. It's a standard review show of uh, a Marvel, a DC, and an independent comic. Uh, each week. So uh, check this out. And if you like it, go over there and subscribe or check out uh, those those episodes. They're a lot of fun. So thanks again for listening. Um, here you go. Now, starting us off in DC is Injustice 2, number 15. Are you reading this digitally or in print? Digitally. Okay. Uh, I don't know if they did this digitally or not, but in print... Uh, DC Comics actually changed their trade dress a little this week to where it's got, in the upper uh, left corner, the DC logo, comics underneath it, then the, the number and the, the price. And then below that, on some titles, it's saying, you know, it's DC Universe or it's something else. This just has a, a bat logo. I think they're trying to uh, to deal with some of the confusion people were having of what's in continuity and what's not and such. Huh. So I haven't looked enough at all the books I've gotten this week to know uh, exactly how they're doing all this stuff. But uh, I did notice that they were they were cleaning up their trade dress a little, and I think the um, the barcode's actually a little smaller. Did they put something out, like a legend, for what the different insignias might mean? Not that I've seen. I think they're doing it kind of like the, the like Marvel used to have, the small heads of their characters or whatnot. But again, like I said, I didn't really pay too much attention. Ah, actually, here's what it is. This says DC Comics. The other, like Batman, says DC Universe. Um, and of course, they both have bat logos that are slightly different. But I think they're trying to differentiate what's in universe and what's not. Um, but when did they make this announcement that they were going to do this and and to look out for these so that readers could would know? I don't know that they ever did announce it. I just noticed it this week. They may have, and I just may not have been paying attention. Hmm. Or you use an ad page in some of the comics and say, look for this to one big co- cohesive universe. And well, this is all, all bets are off. Well, it's good, particularly for a title like injustice Two, which is not part of the DC universe, but is a DC comic. And, you know, I get where people could be confused. And with this title in particular, where they're dealing with variations of the regular characters, Knowing that it's its own continuity, I think, is is very important. It's a great idea. They just need to tell some people about it. That probably wouldn't hurt, yes, and, and clarify what it is. Uh, and again, maybe they have, and I just haven't paid attention. Um, I've been kind of swamped with some other stuff lately. So, again, I'm sure somebody could be listening to their iPod or whatever they're using to listen to the episode with, yelling at it right now of, you guys, they did it here. At which point, post on the forum, put it on the Slack channel, email us, let us know. Because we can't hear you. I've been a fan of the Injustice property uh, since I started reading it. This was not one that I think I had initially pre-ordered way back in the day. It may have been. It may have been the one that I decided, uh, you know, it's it's a video game tie-in. But then I realized, I think before it came out, you know what? They've actually been doing some really cool stuff digitally. And this would have been five, six years ago. I'll go ahead and get it. And I've been loving it ever since. It's it's brilliantly done. This issue deals with Black Adam's attempt to use Supergirl to free Wonder Woman from Paradise Island. Now, that description right there probably has some people who aren't familiar with this thinking, 
what's going on with that? Why does Wonder Woman need to be freed from Paradise Island? Well, things have played out differently in this universe. Uh, it's had a total- totalitarian regime that uh, Superman was in charge of and Wonder Woman was a key player of. It has since fallen and, you know, there's kind of chaos that has ensued. Um, this Supergirl is actually fairly new to Earth. And Black Adam, um, who has been involved with the totalitarian regime under Superman and stuff, on Superman's side and stuff, is in a very interesting place, um, more so than in the mainstream DC universe. Have we actually, I guess we've seen Black Adam when they first brought Shazam in with Justice League a couple of years back, around Maybe, Forever yeah. Evil. And I don't think they've really used him since. And that's part of what I love about this title is they're using characters that don't always get used uh, in the mainstream universe. But this uh, this rescue attempt doesn't go as planned. Uh, go figure. Uh, that would make for a boring issue. And this series continues to be kind of a really fun, dark reflection on the DC universe that's different yet iconic in many ways. I mean, we recognize Wonder Woman, but as was really uh, clarified in the recent annual that came out a, a week or two back, this is just a different Wonder Woman. She looks kind of like we would expect, eh, a little different on the costume, whatever, but she doesn't act the same way. And some of this is just, again, a um, a darker, I don't say a more modern, but almost subversive take on the DC universe. Unlike most titles, I think this is a true ensemble title, and it's featured characters from all over the place over the course of, of the various uh, runs, starting with Injustice Gods Among Us, and then Year 2, Year 3, Year 4, Year 5, and then what was the the short-term one they did um, starring Harley or whatever, and now Injustice 2. Again, the focus here is on an inexperienced Supergirl, a Damian Wayne who has grown into the Nightwing identity. So he's many, many years older than he is in the main continuity, because time is progressing here. And this Black Adam and Wonder Woman are, again, familiar, but different. And I'm, I'm loving how they're pushing the boundaries of, of where some of these characters can go. And this is one of those that I'm not going to say that the art here is just, oh my god, it's amazing. It tells the story, it tells it well, and it doesn't get in the way of the story. The art is very much in service of the story, never trying to steal the spotlight, and it's the story and the characterizations that make this series shine. Now, this isn't one of the best issues of the series or the run, and over the years I think there have been some incredible highlights and just some things, wow, I didn't believe they were going to do that, or didn't see that coming, or wow, that was just a lot of fun. But this is a solidly good read, it's a solid good issue, and I think this series, this this narrative universe, never really disappoints. Um, have you been with it the whole time? Have you bounced in and out? What's going on no, with you on no, this? I've, I've been in it from the beginning and through all the iterations, and um, I like some of them more than others. But uh, yeah, I've really, I've really enjoyed this. One of my one of the my favorite parts about Injustice is um, because of the the two. Used to be three digitals in a in a print copy, and now it's two digitals in a in a print copy. But those those two digital um, issues, you know, have have a beginning, middle, and end, and usually uh, end uh, on something to project you into the next issue. Um, so there's there's lo- there's a lot of fun in an issue, and mm-hmm. it's not it's definitely, I mean. <clears throat> there's, there's there can sometimes be a multi-part story but it's not written for the trade i don't think and it, it, you you get your value in 
uh, an, reading an issue um, because it's made up of two digitals. I, I think you have a built-in advantage in there being just a plenty of of action and 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 stuff going on. It doesn't. It's it's never decompressed. There's um, always always something happening, and um, they're never they're never boring reads. They're never quick. You know, nothing happened in that issue reads that you never say that about an injustice because because of just the nature of its composition Mm -hmm. and and the Tom Taylor writing, of course, that that helps a lot. Um, um, And so these these are always pound for pound, pound for pound, a lot, a lot of fun to read and and well worth the money. Well, and I think your point that this is written uh, with the note, I mean, starting digitally, it's. It's two digital installments that get compiled into a print issue, and then six of those or whatever, I guess, get compiled into a trade or whatever. So they're kind of triple dipping on this. And they know that those digital ones, uh, they've got to have enough meat to it to, to get people to come back for the next. And these print issues are coming out, I think, every other week. So I've got to imagine those uh, digital ones are coming out weekly. Uh, and that's got to be a fairly good cadence to be reading this on. Now... This has been coming out uh, in various shapes and forms for five, six years now, thereabouts. How many other books during that time have you stuck with the entire time and have been from around D- to stick from DC with, from a- anybody? Oh, you know, um, there's several image titles that have been around for five years. Um, okay, I mean, obviously Walking Dead and, and stuff like that. I you know, if, you, if you're okay with the renumbering, you know, Spider-Man, Batman, um, you know, some of those have never dropped off. That's fair. Yeah. It just yeah. seems like this is a continuity that's gone on longer than many narratives in, in comics. Um, and a lot of titles would come and go during this time. And also, I think you tend to be a little bit more, uh, granted, this is from my perspective where I stay on titles pretty much forever. You tend to bounce around a lot more than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the big two. I'm a little, I'm a little more loyal and forgiving in uh, some other, other titles. But yeah. Yeah, I do. I do when, when I get bored, I, I jump I jump ship. Can't say that I blame you. And the fact that you haven't done it on this says a lot. Yeah, it's I I think it's always fun. And and for, for some reason you don't like that issue. <laughs> there's you know some there's always another train coming, and uh, they come out pretty hot and heavy. And you know they they make they take twists and turns too, so they're not really around that that often. Um. So yeah, I mean I'm I'm reading the digital issue 35 right now. So, um, so 35 and 36. So you're a little would, ahead of me in the story. even. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it would be, um, yeah, it's, it's just a few, a few print issues. So they're not that far ahead. It mm-hmm. used to be, it used to be a much bigger gap. Um, and so they're, they're pretty close to coming out, um, you know, within, within a month or so of each other, which is cool. What I find fun with this title is it's very much the window into this universe. If anything is to be seen in this universe, we're seeing it in this title. So it's it's almost the antithesis of the shared universe kind of a concept, even though it's covering very similar ground, just a, a different uh, version of the DC universe. And the fact that, I mean, sometimes we get, I mean, the, the characters, even in this run that they focused on has shifted a bit. Uh, from a lot of Batman stuff and some other characters yeah. to, to this, uh, we got some great Beetle and Booster stuff. Um, so if if whatever is on the current issue and it's like, yeah, I'm not too much into those characters, 
given another issue or two, they may have moved on to some other stuff while still telling the same big story. Yeah. And I think that's a lot of the fun of the series. I mean, we've come a long way from that first season and our first volume, and it's it's changed it's changed quite a bit. Um, and characters have come and gone, and yeah, there's, there's tons of stuff has happened, and uh, it, it it continues to surprise, and they continue to mine different characters that you didn't think they would, and it's 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 fun. It's got all of the diversity in terms of characters and whatnot of an anthology title, but it's got the narrative consistency and through line of a regular ongoing title. Um, it's, it's a fun blend of that. For me, A-, minus. Uh, like I said, I think there have been some better issues, but I always enjoy this series. It's a, it's a fun one to read. It's one I, if you haven't read it yet, start at the beginning with the first Injustice Gods Among Us uh, trade. Um, I got to imagine that's fairly easy to get a hold of either uh, in print or digitally or whatever, or just sample the first few issues digitally for, for minimal uh, cost there. Um, I think it's, it's one of the best comics coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would, you know, you can, if you, if you do like it, you can skip the non Tom Taylor stuff. Uh, and one of those, one of those volumes is without Tom Taylor and it's lousier. It's so. not as good, but I think it's still worth reading just to get the totality of the universe. But <laughs> if, yeah, yeah, if you're OCD. I am. We know this. <laughs> so what's your rating? Oh, I gave it a B plus. Really good. Really good. Enjoyed it a lot. Good stuff. Cool. Shall we move on to our Marvel book? Yeah. This is Amazing Spider-Man and Venom, Venom Inc. Alpha. This is part one of the Venom Inc. storyline. And I'll be honest, uh, this is one that it's like I wasn't really expecting a whole lot out of this. You know, Venom is is not one of my favorite characters. He's certainly a hallmark in the Spider-Man universe, of course. And when I was starting to read this, and they start off with uh, bringing Mania back, and I'm like, I don't think most people know who she is. Um, so if they want to, whatever they want to do with her, it's really not that big of a deal because I don't know that anyone cares. Uh, she was in whatever was the Venom title of the day back at, I think, around 2013 when Colin Bunn was writing it. She was kind of Flash's sidekick and had a piece of, of the Venom symbiote as her costume. I don't remember all the details because, frankly, it's just kind of a while ago and a little boring. But there were some aspects early on with this where I thought the storytelling was a little unclear. At first, uh, when these people attack her... I'm like, did did she just get killed off? I mean, it wouldn't be a big loss if she was, but based on stuff later in the book, it's like, no, I, I don't think so. But she's on the phone with Flash. We cut to the Guggenheim Museum in New York for a, a museum robbery, because we don't get enough of those. We got Spider-Man there, and he's later on the phone during that scene with Flash. And I'm like, is this happening at the same time? At first, I couldn't even tell it was Flash. Because he's apparently, I don't know, like a train station or something. And for a guy who's got uh, prosthetic legs, walking around in a train station just seemed a little odd since we'd seen him, you know, sitting, uh, I thought, mere moments ago at his apartment or wherever, or hotel or wherever he was at. So it's like, what's going on there? And then I do a page flip, and suddenly we've cut to another scene. He's at a... Uh, uh, I don't know, a restaurant, coffee house, whatever, uh, with, with Peter. And it's apparently 
I don't know if it's days later now, days later when we got to the museum. And then within a panel, it's like, boom, we've, we've broken the 180 degree rule. We flipped the order. You know, Peter was on the left and Flash on the right. Now Flash is on the right, Peter's on the left. And I'm like, this may not seem like much. It may not be much, but it was one of those where there was just enough things in the opening couple of pages. It's like, the art's fine, but the storytelling needs a little bit of work here. And the visual storytelling was good enough to tell what was going on, but it's also something that I think uh, an uh, art director, editor, or somebody could have pointed out, you know, a couple of things you could have done a little clearer here. Now, maybe that's just a, a bygone part of, of comics these days, and you, you get what you get, but... No, were- I think I think you're right, because, um, yeah, I thought visually, uh, I thought, I mean, the, the, the art is not bad, but it, there's a, I thought it was, it was better in places mm-hmm. and, um, but, but then from a storytelling point, yeah, I, I, I struggle with some areas where, um, maybe the writer and the artist weren't on the same page or, um, I, I wasn't, I really wasn't really seeing clearly what they were trying to say, or it was just, I was, and it wasn't that interesting. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I, yeah, I've, I've had a, not much luck with Venom books over the years. They've not been in my wheelhouse or not been that enjoyable of reads for me. Um, I don't really care for the character, um, any of them. Yeah, I was going to say, which one? There's, there's yeah, enough to none, pick from. None, none of them really connect with me. So um, I, I didn't have a high hopes on this and um, came in about where I expected. Uh, nothing, nothing great, nothing awful. It's just... Uh, something I wasn't going to read um, and uh, checked out for, for the show here and I, I won't be reading anymore. It's just, it's just okay. There's nothing, there's nothing here that's really interesting to me. Um, it, it's not super engaging um, from either a writing standpoint or, or visually. Um, if you're a Venom fan, I'm sure you'll love it. I'm sure you're already going to be reading it. But um, if you're casual, Marvel Universe person that uh, doesn't doesn't read everything. I think you can easily skip this. I don't think it was targeted towards the casual reader because this had a definite status quo change for a number of characters. Uh, the character revealed at the end feels like it could be a major game changer in and of itself. And they were playing on a lot of past continuity. I mean, bringing Mania back from a couple of years back or whatever. Um Dealing with, you know, the different people who've been Venom, Flash and Betty and stuff like that. Um, maybe it'll go great with, with uh, casual fans too, but I, I didn't feel that's what I thought they were targeting. But there were, there were just a couple of places where even the writing itself was a little, I don't say over the top, I'm not even sure how to explain it. I mean, we get Flash getting thrown out of uh, the Alchemax uh, Corporation building or whatever as he's going to see Liz Allen or whatever. And, I mean, this is how you know a company is evil. They're throwing out a guy with prosthetic legs, you know? And it's like, geez, that's 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 so subtle. And uh, there were just a few other things like that where it was, um, it was just a little much. I mean, there were a couple of fun things here and there that I enjoyed. And it's like, okay, that's interesting. I, I want to see where they go with this. But it's not something where I think I would necessarily recommend it to to everybody. It's not a, wow, you've got to read this. But if you're into the overall Spider-Man stuff, specifically if you're into the Venom uh, uh, group of characters, because there's Venom, 
there's, I don't know if we'll get Toxin or Carnage or half a dozen of the other symbiotes. I mean, the fact that we got Mania surprised me. Um, there's, there's an audience for this, certainly. Um, I thought it was a, a decent story. I liked how it built on some continuity and stuff. It had some, some interesting things here. It had some, some storytelling uh, aspects, both on the writing and the art, that I feel could have and should have been better. The fact that we're going to be getting this across a couple of titles on, I believe, a weekly uh, uh, cadence or whatever, I appreciate. I think it'll do uh, do the story some favors that way. But while I don't think it's one that you've got to avoid at all costs, it's also not one I would say, geez, go flock to. Uh, and the four ninety nine price point felt a, a little hefty, but it's in line with how Marvel's pricing stuff, so I guess it's not. I'm going to go with a B- minus on this. Um it had some interesting stuff. I like what they're, I think, trying to do with repositioning some of the Venom-related characters. But I think it could have been, uh, could have and should have been a little bit tighter of a story and a little better execution. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't, I'd forgotten about the four ninety nine price point. That, that makes it hurt a little bit more, doesn't it? Um, yeah, uh, pretty, pretty average book. Um, even below average, I would say. Uh, art's okay. Story's pretty boring, um, so I'd go with a C minus. Do you normally gravitate towards um, the Venom stuff? I think you're saying no, not at all. No, uh, I mean, okay. I, I, I like Spider Man a lot, but um, not Venom. I've never totally understood why so many people are just nuts over the character. Um, when the symbiote was first introduced in Secret Wars and stuff back in the day, I loved that. That's that that's was what, cool. Yeah, that's what got me into Spider Man and really into the Marvel Universe. Uh, Venom originally, okay, interesting, but they kept using him and stuff, and they've mined that territory for so much over the decades. If they've got a new spin on it and it revitalizes it, that's cool, but it's still going to be what it is, uh, and it's not going to appeal to everybody. That having been said, shall we move on to our other book? Yeah. This is The Mighty Crusaders number 1 from Dark Circle Comics, which is uh, part of Archie. And, you know, it's funny because I've kind of sort of been a longtime fan of the, the Crusaders, or at least as much as I guess anyone my age probably can be. I've got and have since read them, but I didn't read them when they came out, the uh, the 1983 run of the Red Circle stuff, because they were kind of uh, fading away as, as uh, I was becoming aware of them. Um, but I've read kind of every incarnation of the Crusaders since then. But that's not saying a whole lot, because they'd come out every so often with, like, Impact or the Red Circle stuff at DC or the New Crusaders a couple of years back from from Archie, and go for maybe a dozen issues or so and then just kind of fade away. Um, so when I got this, I was a little curious what direction they were going to take. As I was reading it, I became more and more curious about what direction they were taking, because this starts out with a somewhat cartoon cartoony look. Not overly cartoony, but a kind of an animated style. Now keep in mind, I said it's from Dark Circle Comics. The previous thing was from Red Circle. Now, what the, when Archie went from Red Circle to Dark Circle, as one might imagine, there was a darkening of tone. Um, a matter of fact, I believe uh, Black Hood was the first time uh, profanity was used in an Archie comics. Um, and that's the Black Circle line that this is now part of. So I was expecting a a, almost a grimmer, grittier take, and we start with a almost cartoony look. Why, that's that's interesting choice. That that makes us feel all ages. Is it or not? And this issue seemed to be. I just don't know if it's it's going to continue to be there. But then trying to figure out 
where this fits in relation to the other stuff was a little confusing um, up until the point where we get, what was it, a, a newscaster who spends a page giving us kind of the highlights of, well, it all began in the 40s with the shield, which would be the original run of the stuff, and then the Mighty Crusaders and stuff, and that panel would be from about the, the 1980s and whatnot, and then we got the new Crusaders, and that was stuff from a couple of years back, conveniently jumping over all the stuff that Archie didn't publish, which makes sense, because almost every incarnation of this seems to be a reimagining and a reinventing of the characters, which makes it really hard to get too attached to any particular character, because they keep morphing radically. Um, the art here is, it's okay, it's not great. Um, and we hit a, a couple of points where I'm just trying to, to piece everything together, and we hit the scene with, I guess it's uh, the current team leader, The Shield, talking to uh, the guy in charge, I guess, who's The Broken Shield, which, as far as I could piece together from the text page at the back, was, uh, if you go to the page where they've got the team, uh, the newscaster guy, they've got at the bottom panel a guy with a, a white beard, white hair, he's the old guy, the mentor, who's apparently... This same Joe Higgins broken shield that now seems good 10, maybe 20 years younger than that looked. Um, and this is all playing into the same kind of continuity. I mean, some of these characters are from the New Crusaders, which was a series that, uh, if you recall from a couple of years back, I loved. But it was also almost like an 80s-style coming-of-age story for a lot of young characters as their parents had been kind of wiped off the map and they had to take over the, the family business of being heroes. And to to pull in that kind of a thing and, and have this be a continuation of it was just, it was puzzling. Those characters are about five or six years older, I guess, now. But some of the characters between this series and that are, like, wildly different. Because this Dusty that uh, they have here, who's like the assistant or whatever to the Broken Shield... In the New Crusaders, Dusty was a monkey, so just a common nickname, just a coincidence, I don't know. Um, there are one or two characters that seem to be carrying over from the New Crusaders, but they have different names here. One or two that have the same uh, uh, civilian name, like uh, Kelly Brand, who was Fly Girl with like a flight harness and a pistol in the New Crusaders, but is Firefly here with much shorter hair, seems like innate powers now. It's just... It was confusing, and they're trying to pull all of this stuff in, even referencing the Brain Emperor storyline from that previous run. It's like they want to have their cake and eat it, too. Which, okay, fine, but I didn't feel this was in the, the keeping of the tone and the style of the Dark Circle line. I didn't feel it was in the tone and, and style of the New Crusaders stuff. And it was so much set up and not enough payoff for me to really know where this is heading and, and where they want to go with this. And... I don't know. It's not bad, but it's not great. And again, that scene with the two shields, the amount of exposition we get was was insane. Um, honestly, I really don't know what to make of this. I want to like it more than I, I do. Um, and certainly, I don't fault the art. This this has some fun stuff to it, but I just I, I don't know where they're going. Yeah, I think I think the best way to enjoy this comic is not to have read all the other stuff that came before it that um, you have read, um, because one of the things they do is they do a really good job of is you know this is a this is a number one, it's a brand new series um, in a a, a a less 
often used imprint that we don't see very much content from and they introduce characters and they uh take us as new readers in a number one and they show us who everybody is and um through an action sequence so it's not boring exposition they actually do some stuff and then there's a b plot with them some some occult stuff happening and uh it, it kind of cuts back and forth there's there's a nice blend of comedy and action and adventure in this thing and i have no idea who anybody was before i read this first issue um i'm sure i sampled one or two of these things in the past but they didn't stick so i i, I don't None of that matters. None of that that old universe stuff matters to me. I but I think as a first issue, they do a really good job and introduce some really interesting characters that are are fun and interact well together. And are, there's enough here that make me want to think um, about their next adventure and what's 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 next around the corner. Um, and sometimes ignorance is bliss uh, when it comes to comics and the less. Yeah. The less um, you you get bogged down with some of this stuff, I think, the better. I'm, you know, those some of those other comics that were either precursors to this or from other publishers. Um, I think it's nice that they've honored some of that with some Easter eggs for people who have read them, but I don't think they should be beholden to them because they're failed well, series. But they're trying to keep this IP going well, um, with on. a new take. The stuff from the other publisher of DC, they've they've ignored entirely. So they're not the least bit beholden to what happened in Impact or the Red Circle stuff when they tried to pull the characters into the DC universe. I'm fine with that. If they had come here and said, we're just doing it from from fresh start, uh, it's a reimagining, whatever, I'd have been fine with that. But when they flat out say that some of these people are members from the New Crusaders, uh, some of them are, are brand new or whatever, they're pulling that stuff in. When they are referencing the Brain Emperor storyline and stuff, they're pulling that in. Is it a lie? Are they not part of that? Did that not happen? That was the the second arc or whatever in the New Crusaders. Well, there you go. Cool. But they had left the New Crusaders off with the, yep, and we're going to have a third series that they never got to, and we're getting this instead. And the characters have changed quite a bit in between inexplicably. Now, I'm okay to say, okay, they've aged. They, they don't have to leave them in the same state that they'd left them in before. It's kind of like when you took, uh, or when they took Lou Grant out of the Mary Tyler Moore sitcom and put him into a, uh, a, a drama series. Same character, but the character's gotta change because the, the nature of the story has changed. So I'm fine with them doing that, but it just seemed to muddy the waters needlessly if they had just simply not mentioned the New Crusaders and the Brain Emperor and just, hey, you know, we're picking up from what happened maybe in the 80s or just an ambiguous characters have been around since World War II, but, it's a brand new universe or whatever, I'd have been okay with that. I'm sure there's a segment of the readers, though, that enjoy the fact that they name-check some of the previous stuff that they had read, you know, therefore giving it legitimacy and um, having, it having mattered because it's they, they still honor at least that memory of that, that battle or that character. Um, so you, you, I would think you get partial credit for that. If I felt it wasn't kind of flying in the face of some of it, maybe. Um, 
but that's as much on the new Crusader series as anything else, because when you start a series of, essentially, the Justice League's been wiped out, the Teen Titans have to get formed and take over, that kind of limits what you can tell story-wise. And that was kind of sort of what they did to go from the Crusader, Mighty Crusaders to the new Crusaders then. But this has something that looks... You know, you put this in front of your average person, they're going to say, yep, this looks like an all-ages comic. Yep, and I don't even remember if there were any curse words in here. I don't recall any, but there were uh, one or two in the New Crusaders. Dusty at one point and uh, slamming things around, but I don't remember if she cursed or not. I don't don't recall. This is rated teen, but um, I think, uh, like, the Black Hood, which has definitely got some, some profanity and whatnot, uh, I think it too might have been rated like teen plus or something. So Dark Circle is a more mature imprint, but it's superheroes only because they have like Afterlife with Archie and some other mature titles that aren't Dark Circle, right? Correct. The Red Circle stuff was their superhero line, or at least the non-Archie type stuff. The Red and Circle it, was. Red okay. Circle, and it became synonymous with just their superhero stuff. Um through what they did in both the uh, the eighties, and then those are the characters that became the the impact line over at DC, and then the Red Circle line over uh, also at DC uh, about ten years ago or whatever. And then when they brought it back and decided to go a bit more grim and gritty uh, after New Crusaders, they sunset Red Circle, replaced it with Dark Circle, and that's when things again got got darker. And that's fine. I I can see why they would want to go that way. And I don't object to that. This is not a dark comic. This is, but it's it's a dark circle comic. Right. And so I'm wondering if that imprint is the same or it's also evolved. Since the Black Hood, which just came out not that long ago, earlier this year. Was that earlier this year that, that it was came out? Earlier this year that the Black Hood title came out. No, I hadn't seen anything. I, I didn't think anything from them came out for a while. So that's, that's surprising. So if this had been a red circle thing, I'd have been a little more okay with it. But Dark Circle comics implied, again, a, a darker take. And I'm not saying I want a darker take. But having been waiting patiently for uh, that third volume of the New Crusaders stuff, I get this. And they're kind of... Where you think they're doing a name check and honoring it, I thought they were kind of uh, name checking and slapping it in the face almost. Well, yeah, that's not good either. Because, like, this guy at the end, uh, the web or whatever, in... The, the New Crusaders, if I recall correctly, he had a superpower and a fairly unusual one. Don't know if they're going to mention it at all in this series or even acknowledge he ever had it, yet they're kind of playing that this is that same character. So I don't know which way they're going. And I'm not saying either way is right or wrong. I just didn't get enough out of this to say, wow, I love this. This is a fun new superhero universe to go go explore. Um, because I felt it was it was teasing things. Uh, including this jungle adventure or whatever that's presumably going to lead up to the next big bad they've got to go fight. I just, like I said, I don't know where they're going. It was too much setup, not enough payoff. I think there's some promise here. I think they've got some fun characters, but I don't think it was a strong first issue to get people who are new to the property or coming back to the property um, hooked on it with a, wow, this is this is terrific. It's not bad. It, it's just, it was okay. Yeah, Black Hood 5 came out in June, it looks like. And Black Hood 4 came out in 2015. <laughs> Is that right? Wow. There were two Black Hood titles. You may be <laughs> uh, mixing the two, because I don't think it was that long ago that number four, the current one, came out. I could be wrong. 
They've had some massive delays. Matter of fact, the uh, the S.H.I.E.L.D. character that leads this team, her book had been delayed multiple times before coming out. It, it's one of the ones that just has a, a crazy number of resolicits, like yeah. four or something. Yeah. Yeah, the Hangman was from Dark Circle. Forgot about that. And uh, so, yeah, I guess, yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. was... Makes sense, I guess, that they if Shield was from Dark Circle, it makes sense that they put this team book out as well in under Dark Circle. But it does, yeah, it doesn't feel like that um, the Hood book at all. Uh, no, that, it doesn't that, doesn't feel like it's in the same universe. No, no, it's that's weird. Um, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought all in all, though, um, a pretty fun introduction to this team, and uh, um, I, I gave it a B minus. I I'm going to check out the next one. I'm not sure if I'm in it for the long haul, but I. I, I did enjoy this enough and a couple of the characters that I want to see them interact a little bit more and see what they have to offer. I'm going with a C plus. Um, I'm going to keep going with it for a little bit. Uh, again, it's, it, if it's veering more towards the new crusaders than I was expecting, that's, that's not a bad thing for me. I just, I'm unclear where they're going, but I hope they can figure out where they want to go and do something cool in that direction. I just think they need to clarify is this in the same continuity as the other stuff or not? Uh, and then when they've got a text page there at the end, uh, kind of giving the backstory of what was it, the broken shield or whatever there, that's kind of going towards, you know, it. they've got one cohesive universe that's evolving over time, uh, except maybe the cohesive stuff. They also keep using the MLJ uh, program or whatever government program that this is all a part of. That, of course, is a reference to, that was the uh, the publishing imprint it was under at one point. They never defined what the MLJ or MJL or whatever stands for. Having an acronym and not defining it always kind of annoys me. This has some, some stuff. I do think uh, if you're fans of these characters, you may want to check it out. But if you're expecting either what was in uh, the tone and style of the New Crusaders from a couple of years back, or the more recent Dark Circle stuff, in either case, I don't think you're going to quite get what you were expecting. But we'll see where they go. Yes. Thanks for listening to John Mayo and I review a DC, a Marvel, and a other publisher's book. We do that each and every week. If you enjoyed that, and uh, check back here. And you can also check out John's podcast, The Weekly Comic Spotlight. Check him out at the, uh, the comic book page website. Thank you guys for listening. Drew signing off.